This episode was recorded two weeks into the 2017 Florida legislative session. The bills discussed here may have had their fates determined by the time you've heard this episode. For an update on the bills in this episode and any of the other episodes in this podcast series, make sure to check votere.co and listen to the post-session wrap-up episode where we discuss all of the topics that we looked at during this season and their freight in front of the legislature. Now, let's talk about solar power. Welcome to another edition of Voter Aid's Wonk and Circumstance podcast, your tour guide through the Florida legislative session. I'm here today with Mario Ariza, and we're going to be talking about solar energy. Now, this is an issue that is up for a lot of debate in front of the Florida legislature and Florida as a whole because of the amendments that we passed or failed last <laughs> year. Uh, but before we get into that, let me give Mario a chance to introduce himself. Hi, guys. My name is Mario Ariza. I'm a freelance writer and an environmental reporter. Uh, I'm also a poet, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. And I'm, I'm a really sunny guy on top of it all. That that uh, that helps for talking about solar energy. Absolutely. And tell them about the book you're writing. So I am in the process of uh, researching and writing a book called Disposable City, Miami's Doom and How to Avoid It. Uh, it's essentially a uh, in the first and only uh, book-length treatment of the challenges that sea level rise poses to Southeast Florida. All right, uh, and you know, for such a, a sunny guy, that's a pretty damning title. But I guess you got to sell books, right? Exactly. All right. So uh, before we jump into solar energy, I do want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by VoterAid. If you are in Coral Gables, your election is less than a month away. And within just a couple of days, VoterAid software will be live for you to be able to take the survey and understand which of the candidates in three races most line up with your opinions. That's for mayor, that's for group three, and for group five. Remember, these elections are the ones that truly determine the difference in your day-to-day life. No government is closer to you than the local one, and your friends at VoterAid are here to help. So check us out, VoterAid.co. You probably know what our website is if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, So just go there if you're from Coral Gables, and if you're not, we will have something for you very soon. Very excited to tell you about it, but it's not ready yet. So without further ado, like I was mentioning, solar energy is something that in the state of Florida is up for debate. The state of Florida is called the sunshine state. Right. You would think that solar energy would be at the forefront, but maybe not so much right now. Last year, that kind of changed. We had two major elections in Florida last year, one in August, the primary, and one in November, the big one. Uh, the one where all of the big sexy seats were voted on. In these races, there were two separate amendments. Now, Amendment 4 on the ballot in August was considered to be the pro-solar amendment. What this did is it allowed for solar power units and for other sort of renewable energy equipment that is included in property value to be exempt. Mm -hmm. This is a very complex and silly way of just saying that if you had renewable energy sources, you got a tax break. Right. On the November ballot, there was an amendment that would have codified how the solar energy 
industry was regulated mm -hmm. and that solar energy would have been regulated in the manner of current i guess traditional energy is the right way of saying it uh whatever yeah. fpl does now right because they have nuclear too they've got nuclear uh, yeah they, they get the majority of their of their energy from natural gas though. okay so uh it would have created a regulatory framework in the state of florida for solar energy to match that uh that natural gas as well as as I understand it, mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody really understood that amendment that well. Yeah, but it was kind of interestingly was, worded. As amendments in Florida tend to be. Yeah. Uh, but generally, the consensus was that Amendment 4 in August, voting yes is yay solar. Mm -hmm. A voting no is boo solar. Mm -hmm. Voting uh, yes in November was boo solar. Voting no in November was yay solar. On Amendment 1. Yeah. On Amendment 1 in November. That was the idea. Mm -hmm. um, and there were also, you know... The crossing of streams with people's opinions over FPL right. and all of that. People uh, have very strong opinions about FPL down here. I think if you have a, a, a place of resonance at all, then you have a strong opinion <laughs> on FPL. Uh, anyway, the long and short of it is Amendment 4 passed. Right. And we now have a bill in front of the legislature that's SB 90. We'll be talking a little bit more about that later. Right. That will codify Amendment 4 into our regulatory structure. Exactly. Amendment 1 failed. And what that means, as far as I can tell, mm -hmm. and Mario, I, I look to you here now for a little bit of enlightenment, mm -hmm. is that we still don't know what's going to be happening with solar energy. Right. Um, so so let's let's clear up a little bit about what Amendment 1 uh, does or, or doesn't do. Or did, because um, it's, it's, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Or didn't, or sought out to do and didn't in the end do. Yes. Uh, what Amendment 1 basically wanted to do was to change the rules for net metering. Okay. What does that mean? Net metering is um, how the utility pays the solar energy provider. Okay, so this matters if you are uh, a dude who wants to put a solar panel on your home. Right, mm -hmm. you're gonna go out and you're gonna be like, all right, I want to put a solar panel on my home. It's gonna cost me twenty three, twenty four, twenty five thousand dollars, depending on the state that I live in and the tax credits that are available. How can I afford this? This is like after after tax costs? After tax costs. Okay. Somebody's going to come up to you with a loan, right? And be mm -hmm. like, all right, I will give you a loan or a lease for this uh, solar, solar power installation. And you'll make the money back by selling solar power into the grid bit okay. by bit. What net metering would have allowed... Because you'll generate more you'll power. You'll generate more need. power during the day than you need, and then you'll use power at night. What okay. net metering would have allowed uh, FPL basically to do would be to change the amount per kilowatt hour that you were going to get paid for your solar installation, okay, as a company or as a private person. Right now, the Florida regulator, Florida Energy Regulatory Commission um, says that you got to pay 11 cents per kilowatt hour if you're FPL to a private or, or, or a company producing solar and feeding it back into your system. And this is uh, legal. legal. Like, this is law. Regulated. Law. We, we have to say that basically anything that deals with FPL is law because right. it's a state-regulated monopoly. Exactly. They were going to drop that price down to, I think, $2.11 a kilowatt hour. Okay. Meaning that if you get a solar rig right now, mm -hmm. right, in Florida, on average, depending on the financing terms, it's going to take you 22 years to pay that off. Okay. Probably right. not a very good investment at that Probably point. Probably not a very good investment at this time. With the net metering, it would have been... 30, 40, 50 years. So even okay. worse. Even worse. It would have essentially killed private solar in the state. Okay. And so under that point, because I've seen that, that FPL is building solar facilities. Right. FPL is quote-unquote pro-solar. 
Um, but let's let's put it into context, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the state of Florida, if if my numbers are are correct, uh, uses something like three thousand. I'm gonna get the megawatt kilowatt thing messed up. Three thousand, let's say kilo uh, megawatts a day, right? And megawatts are bigger than kilowatts. Megawatts are bigger than kilowatts, okay. right? They use about three thousand megawatts a day. Of those, two hundred and forty are currently sold. Right. So there's a lot of just utility sitting on the shelf. Right. It's there's 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 a lot of energy that's being that's being produced that is nuclear, that is the majority is is natural gas. Mm -hmm. There's a small, you know, coal plant. FPL has built, if I remember correctly, three energy installations over the past decade and a half that utilize solar. And, got, and they're building a couple right now, I think. Right. There, there's two under construction right now. Okay. Um, there's a really interesting one up in uh, Cocoa Beach uh, okay. with the, the, the NASA um, or in, in, in the NASA center um, that uses both solar and, and natural gas to provide 24-hour energy to the facility. Okay. Um, but there's... Do they a, have a... I, I, this might yeah. cut off the point, but do Go they have it. an ability to store the solar energy for nighttime use yet, or Not is that right still now. in the process? That's still in the process. Okay. Um, Germany is, is the country that's really done a lot of um, really interesting things with storing But what about uh, the Tesla use. batteries or stuff like that? They're right. in the gigawatt facility. The gigawatt facility, yeah. That's pie in the sky. Man. Okay, got like, it. I, I, love, I love Elon Musk, and, and he's got great PR, but I'll believe it when I see it. And Yeah, he's not uh, as, as cool as the stuff he's delivered is. He's not exactly known for meeting his deadlines either. No. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so they have this facility in Cocoa Beach mm -hmm. that's supposed to be the hybrid model, mm -hmm. so it's 24 hours. Right. How many homes would that... Oof, off the top of my head, I, I can't imagine... I, if I understand it correctly, it's, it's meant to service NASA. Uh, and, and that's it, just goes. NASA. I mean, that could be a lot of energy. Um, right. It, 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 is, it is a big energy requirement. Um, I, I think it's... Somewhere on the order of ten to forty megawatts. Okay. Um, it's not a big installation. Because right? I, I I was doing some research for this and I was seeing that they were building a couple of facilities mm -hmm. and and the one that I was reading about was the the one that was private facing, uh, so not the one that they're building for NASA but the other one. Right. And I don't remember the exact megawattage and I'll be honest, it didn't really mean a lot to me. Right. Yeah. Um, but what did mean a lot was that it mentioned that it it would serve 1,100 homes. And that mm -hmm. seems small. I don't mm -hmm. know, like, is, do yeah. facilities really only serve that few homes? I would have thought they served more. Here's here's the, the essential problem with, with going about solar energy the way that FPL wants to do it, okay? okay. FPL wants to be in control, right? Government-controlled monopoly. Government-controlled monopoly. They're a public utility. They want to be the guy calling the shots. So at the end of the day, they're going to do these little medium-sized, maybe even a large solar installation. That's not where the true power of solar shines through, right? That solar power becomes really, really efficient when you have a lot of surfaces and a lot of different people implementing photovoltaic generation on their surfaces, okay? It becomes really interesting when you, Juanqui, put a solar power unit on your house. It becomes mm -hmm. really, really efficient when 40 of your neighbors put solar powered units on their houses because all of a sudden it's cheap to do. Okay. Right? And you're going to get your money paid back in eight, nine, 10 years as if it were New York State or as if it were Massachusetts, which are not sunny places to live. No, no, no definitely not. Uh, definitely not in the winter. No. no. So the, I'm guessing that there are certain states that are better for this than others. Right. Is this, does solar energy take off when the environment is right for it? Right. 
when, or rather the, the climate is right for it, when the regulatory environment is right for it? Does it have to be both or like, what is it? So, so solar energy is uh, a kind of energy production that is at the moment completely determinant or its success is completely determinant on the regulatory structure of the place. So it's all the state. It's all the state. If you, for instance, look at a place like Germany, right? Okay. Not the sunniest. The no, Germans it's, it's aren't very not known as. Yeah. They get about a third of their energy from solar at the moment. Wow. Yeah. And that's because they've set up the proper regulatory structure and they have put those photovoltaic panels everywhere. Well, one of the things that always surprised me is it doesn't have anything to do with solar, but mm-hmm. like France is actually like the leading country in nuclear right. energy. Exactly. It's, they have right. a huge percentage of their. And it's been like that way for decades. Decades. Absolutely. They're very good at building uh, very safe reactors. Well, it's not just that. It's, yeah. it's not that they're safe because the majority of nuclear reactors, I understand, that are very safe. Right. But it's just that the French don't have the same reservations about nuclear energy right. that the yeah. majority of the world People has. People do. Exactly. Um, so, for instance, if you look at the states in the United States that have um, large-scale solar programs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's because they have set up a regulatory structure that's allowed for this independent financing model to to exist right where you can get a lease for solar panels on your home and it's allowed for large corporations like ikea like costco to decide hey all right we're going to put a bunch of solar panels on top of our big box store and generate our own electricity um and massachusetts uh new york you know you'll notice that I'm, i'm naming like very blue states here sure um california uh, but actually, if you look at it per capita, the state with the number one generation uh, or kilowatt hours generated per person is New Mexico. Huh. Because it's get, very sunny and there are very few people. I was going to guess New Hampshire. <laughs> and right. not not because of, of sun, but just because they, they don't care about the government whatsoever. Right. Yeah. They just want them to leave them alone. Yeah, yeah. New Mexico. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I would imagine all the states in that region, in the Deseret region, like right. Arizona, uh New Mexico, Nevada, all of them would, would have the potential for it. They have great potential for it. Um, actually, Florida is the state, our state, is, mm-hmm. is the, the one with the number three potential in the country. Right? Okay. And just in terms of Who's land area. number one, number two? Uh, you're looking at California and Texas. Right? Is that just because those states are bigger? Bigger, okay. sunnier, big land area. Um, however, due to the regulatory framework that we've got here in Florida, we are 14th for cumulative solar capacity overall in the hmm. country. Um, so we're, we're lagging. We're, we are the, the, the smallest generating large state, if that makes any sense. It, it does make sense uh, to me, at least. The, so these states that have tried it out so far, New Mexico, well, New Mexico is kind of in mixed bag, right, right. Uh, go back uh, partisanship. Uh, and it's always difficult looking at just the electoral mm-hmm. map because, as I mentioned on our preview episode, Florida is a swing state, right. allegedly. It's not. Florida's a red state. Right. Uh, it only changes for president. I guess the question, the follow-up question here is which of these states have they, which structure have they embraced? Have they specifically cited solar as saying this is the energy that we're going to be moving into? Mm-hmm. Or have they taken a more, uh, we're going to open up the regulatory structure and see right. what happens? Because this is something a lot of people don't know, yeah. but as even though California gets uh, a lot of credit, rightfully, as being the bluest of blue states, mm-hmm. and, and I won't delve too much into po- politics mm-hmm. because this is something we try to avoid as much mm-hmm. as possible, um, they actually have deregulated energy, right? Uh, which is considered to be one of the, I guess, if we're following the, the dichotomous model, the redder of right. ideals. Like yeah. Ronald Reagan was the one that pushed uh, the deregulation of energy. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, 
you know, that's a little bit of, I guess the average person would say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why right. would they do both? Right. But is it, I guess the question here is, is it something that the states go out and mm-hmm. say, we want solar, go to solar, or they take the more like, do whatever you want. We just don't want coal. Right. So here's the very, like, uh, first of all, from what I understand of the regulatory structure. Yeah, because it's, it's a big country. It's a big country. And, big country, country, and, country, and the research that I've done is mainly on Florida. Sure. Um, you have to start from the point of view that solar is a disruptive technology, okay? Sure. And that um, if if you subscribe to certain theories of, of politics and society, um, the way a society generates its power, right, is mm-hmm. going to really determine its, its, its overarching political structure. This well, is, Texas has its own grid. Right, exactly. And, and that's specifically because they don't want to ever be beholden to... <laughs> The rest of the country. I'm jealous of them for it. It's, right. It's, it's, there yeah. are three grids in the United States. There's the West grid, there's the East grid, and there's, and there's the Texas. Texas grid. Because they don't want anybody telling them what to do. That's right. Don't and and if New Hampshire had the chance, they'd do it too. I'm sure they But would. they're a well, little too small. They probably can't get their act together too. Well, I, yeah. I think it's just they don't have as big of an oil deposit as Texas, as Texas does. Texas this is very uh, true. So that, that hurts. Um, so yeah. So so solar is essentially in wind. It's solar more than wind is a disruptive technology. Okay? Which is why I think New Hampshire is going to like dive into the these other things it was like well, let's build a wind portal and then leave us alone we don't want to be on your portal new hampshire could they would be their own country yeah and this uh, is not knocking new hampshire at all this is me talking about them with with uh envy because right. i envy that emotion i mean having spent a lot of time in new hampshire like i really i really do envy their cheap liquor and cigarettes it, you know whether or not a state has a lot of solar depends entirely on how idiosyncratic it's willing to be with its regulatory structure okay, okay? um uh, solar energy and this is a state government thing the, fe- the feds government. aren't getting involved the here. feds get involved in the sense that there is a broad-based federal tax credit which i'm forgetting the name of right now but it's there right barack hussein obama <laughs> you know may he may he rest in peace um he's still alive he's still alive as, as, there, of, this as, as of this as of this recording but you know some of us here miss him he's off um, he's off celebrating somewhere i saw like, a picture of him drinking surfing. beer for saint patrick's right, day exactly listen you're president for eight years you have a, you, you get a chance it. to unwind. I mean, it. President Bush became an acclaimed painter all of a sudden. Right, he's like people look at him nostalgically now. It's like, uh, well, he's a completely different person. He really is. You, you you realize when you when you look at uh, at former presidents how much of a toll that office yeah, takes it really on you. Does. But anyway, really so does. President okay. Obama. So solar, so they've got solar the solar energy. tax credit. So if, if you're a homeowner, you can put the tax credit in. Um, I'm not quite sure if it applies to corporations, but I think there are some corporate tax credits, federal corporate tax credits for solar. Okay. Um, so the thing with solar. You need to get the financing in order to pay for the initial investment of the photovoltaic costs. Is this is this just for solar energy or is this for all renewable energy? No, wind is very different. Tidal is very different. So specifically, specifically for, for solar. solar. Specifically for okay. solar. So you need to get the, you know, you, you need to make it easy for people to lend you money in order for you to put those very expensive solar cells up on your home, which are reducing in price. Because okay? it's not going to immediately become it's profitable. It's not going to immediately become okay. profitable. And then you got to make sure that the utility that you're going to be selling this energy to is going to pay you a fair price because there are about four or five other red states in the deep south that have done the net metering thing that FPL was trying to do here that have absolutely killed solar in their state. Like, okay. um, I think Alabama, right? Alabama is a, Alabama. a unique state for absolutely. so many for reasons. several reasons. Um, so depending on the regular straight structure that you have, right? Um, Solar is going to do well. Solar is going to do badly. Now, solar is a disruptive technology, right? Sure. Because it, it changes essentially the, the the way that power is going to be generated. No longer do you have, and solar really, I mean, it, it works well in a plant, but it also works well on top of your home. 
-hmm. So it democratizes the energy generation process. Okay. And at the same time that it does this, it means that that those large public utilities are going to be losing a lot of money if they haven't been ready for this disruption, right? Because they're not going to be the ones generating the power necessarily. So you have to have a certain kind of regulatory structure that allows you to make sure that the utilities investments are safeguarded, um, but at the same time that incentivizes this disruptive technology. But if you're in a state like Florida, where uh, everyone and their mother hates FPL, right? Like with with my mother hates FPL. Yeah, like we we do have to say here that FPL does not provide power for the entire state. It just nope. seems that way. They've just because their name things. is Florida Power and Light right. does not mean they provide power and light for all of Florida. Right. I believe Monroe County doesn't get uh, power from FPL. I may be wrong on that because I don't live in Monroe County, but I could have sworn mm-hmm. they were somebody else. Um, uh, regardless, regardless, yeah. Like um, everyone hates FPL. Everybody hates FPL. I'm so, sure reason. So, yeah, that's that's right. fair. I mean. Everyone has their own reason to hate FPL. They right. hate them because they're... Their prices are too high. I or... personally currently hate them because mm-hmm. uh, they have this alert system. Right. And uh, one of their alerts... And the alerts are pretty stupid. They're mm-hmm. not like... They're not just, uh, hey, the power's out. Yeah. They're also like, hey, your bill is... is uh, Your your auto pay worked. It's like, right. thanks. I don't need a alert yeah. for that. Their alert... Yeah, it comes via email. Fine. It comes via text. Fine. But it also comes via voicemail. I don't want a voicemail. <laughs> I can't turn that off. I hate to, I, 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 this is the first time I'm going to say it on the podcast, but it is my personal dream to go a full calendar ma- month without sending or receiving a single a phone single call. single voicemail? Uh, phone no, a single call. phone okay. call, period. Right. And, and it's not going to happen anytime soon because of people like FPL right. who I can't turn off the stupid fucking right. setting. Yeah. Uh, I actually had to go on the website and tell them to only send me voicemails between one and two in the morning when my phone is on do not disturb anyway, so I won't get it. But... <laughs> That's why I hate them currently. Great. People hate them for ideological reasons. Right. People hate them because they're there. Yeah. They're but, because I they're mean, the okay. main corporation. So, like, so let's say one nice thing about it. FPL. Hold on, wait. It, it just, well, I do want to say this before you say yeah. that, and that's fair. We should always say nice things about everybody. That's, that's the Jesuit way, allegedly. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, they can't all be doing no, no. Every, all the time. Every single person has something good about them, and FPL lets us turn the lights on. Right. But it is unique. Yeah. That you have uh, an organization that people who are people who hate corporations mm-hmm. hate because it's a big bad corporation, yes. and then people who hate the government hate right. because it's essentially the government. Right. Because anytime you have a regulated monopoly, yeah. it might as well be the government. No, See the post office. Yeah. So you have the two people who are diametrically opposed on to, different on, ends on of the ideological for business, spectrum. Both hate FPL. Yeah. This is a very unique position to be in. It really is, and and at the same time, and like let's let's give FPL. They turn some the lights shrift. on. They, not not just they turn the lights on. They put in an eight billion dollar, if my numbers are correct, investment in the past ten years into making Florida's power transmission systems more resilient. Okay, okay, so for like hurricanes. And for stuff. hurricanes. So they've literally gone through and replaced... But they won't put the cables underground. No, they won't. No, claro que no. Of course not. Um, but they've, they've gone through and they've replaced most of the wooden telephone poles on the main trunk lines with okay. concrete ones that are supposed to stand up to a Category 5. I would hope so. Right. One would hope so. So yeah. the question really becomes like, hey, look, we need this thing called solar renewable energy because CO2 emissions are going out the roof and Florida is going to drown slowly or quickly depending on which NOAA report you're looking at. Um, we need this kind of energy, but at the same time, there's this 
public utility that nobody likes nope. that has put in gigantic amounts of investment mm-hmm. into a particular kind of grid right sure here in florida how do you at one point make sure that you're fomenting the kind of energy growth that you want in renewables and at the same time protecting that investment that they've made right i mean i i guess i would look at it from the perspective of like if if you're the loser in in a particular market environment right. then yeah. your investments go down yeah but that's, that's not that's the case when you're protected mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it's definitely a tough situation but then again right. you know at a certain point but then they spend if all of the voters hate fpl right yeah and and they hate them for good reason because I, the, we were talking about amendment 4 right sorry right. amendment amendment 1 yeah okay. the one that failed in the, november the net metering right um fpl according to a report from the Florida Center for Investigative Reporting, which does great work, mm-hmm. um, spent somewhere, if I get my numbers right, either 7 or $12 million lobbying for this amendment. Like, okay. it is literally as astroturfed a piece of political chicanery as you can see, mm-hmm. right? And and it's, it's why people really just voted against it quite resoundingly. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, I mean, people have a really good feeler for for genuine political uh, needs, and this was something that was created by a PR campaign, and 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 just absolutely astroturfed all the way through. And it's interesting that if you want to play the liberal conservative game, mm-hmm. which I always try to tell people, it, it's it's not that simple, right? Especially uh, when you get the local politics. But but you know, in a presidential year, uh, generally speaking, the top of the ticket. Right. dominates the rest right. and and florida was won by president trump mm-hmm. by i think like a percentage point or two mm-hmm. but if if this were as simple as a red or blue issue which again there is no issue that's that simple right. but if it were then you would have expected the the amendment to do a little bit better right it, it, it underperformed president trump right uh in a significant capacity not that uh president trump's vote in florida would have been enough because in florida we require 60 percent for mm-hmm. amendments Absolutely. and um that's just not presidents don't get 60 percent of the vote in florida very often but uh it's just interesting to note that the the opinions are different mm-hmm. it's not just simply saying mm-hmm. like you know these people think this is good and these people think this is bad because that's not how the the, the vote turned out I, I would be really interested to see um the correlation statistically between the amount of people who voted against amendment four and the amount of people who will report on a, a pew research poll that they're actually worried about climate change that's very difficult to do as, I yeah, just kind of want to see the two graphs side yeah. by side. Because that's, I, I that's think all self-reported. Be and, yeah, it is self-reported. Uh, and that's, you know, after the fact, you know, people change their opinions on things based yeah, on, on how it turned yeah. out. Yeah, that would be interesting to know. Yeah, just right? to look at them because, I mean, a lot more people report being worried about the climate and the environment than the partisan split, right? If you look at the partisan split, you think, okay, you know, 50-50, 51, 52. Well, and, uh, and a third of the populace is not registered vote. to either party. Exactly. Well, that's not even counting people who don't vote. Just yeah. a, a third of, uh, if you just look at strictly party uh, affiliation mm-hmm. for issues, it's difficult because the, a third of voters is, is are called MPA, no party right. affiliation right. in Florida. In other states, they're called independent. And, and, and actually in Florida, I believe that NPAs now outnumber Republicans and are really close to outnumbering Democrats. Wow. Interesting. Just a lot of people don't want to be part of a party anymore, right. even in a closed primary yeah. state. So it's not even that simple. You can't say, oh, well, let's just look at the party affiliation right. splits because you're leaving out a third of people. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, and those yeah. are just of registered voters, yeah. not counting people who are eligible but not registered. Well, then it's really it, – that, that, that adds an interesting perspective onto the fact that as if you look at you know the Yale climate polls or the Pew research polls about who is working 
worried about the climate or what percentage of people are worried about sea level rise down here in South Florida, you see numbers of like 65, 73%. And you're like, well, where are these people on election day? They might not vote. Right. I mean, the, the whole, we could do uh, an entire season on the problems with the polling industry and, and some of these issues. But the fact is that, you know, it's hard to understand how the public really feels about an issue like yeah. this based on, on opinion polls simply because, you know, it's you an have, imperfect measurement. Well, yeah. In order to be part of a, of, a, of a poll, you have to pick up the phone, right? That's not something that very many people want to do. You yourself don't want to pick up a phone call. Never. Um, I never. I have a general rule. I do not pick up a phone call if it's from a number. It's not in my contact hmm. book. Um, the But on top of that, and, and another thing to think about in this issue is how much of this is driven by fear of climate change and fear of sea level rise hmm. and other sort of of potential uh, apocalyptic scenarios, as as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. or, or not or, but separately from that, how many people are particularly pro or against solar energy, depending on how they feel ideologically about what they should be doing with their energy, right? Like, for example, I know a person who is as, as diehard uh, from the South kind of mentality, yeah. right? Like Confederate flag, huge Trump supporter, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I'm not here to draw judgments on that opinion one way or another. As far as I'm concerned, there's nothing wrong with whatever opinion as long as it's your opinion mm-hmm. uh, and it's well-founded. But hates FPL mm-hmm. and is the biggest proponent of things like solar energy in the world. Why? Because he doesn't want to be on the grid. Right. He wants to be separate from the right. grid. He wants to have his own energy. Yeah. He has a farm. He wants to just be on his own. Absolutely. Right? And that's the life he wants to live and and he wants to be free enough to live the life. So it's not it's not just as simple as saying like, well, these people are pro climate change, these people are anti. It's more like it's more complicated it than that. It is much more complicated. And, and it points to A, the disruptive nature of solar power and B the sort of kind of idealistic libertarian future. Um, where yeah, the Bitcoin uh, living the, the on an Bitcoin island kind living of living off the uh, grid, dark web, Tor browsing, exactly. all of that kind right. of uh, environment. Um, and and one that you can really see actually sort of come to pass if you go to a country like Haiti or even Costa Rica, which are two very different countries, right? Yes, one is the poorest uh, country in the Western Hemisphere. The other country is doing pretty well for itself. It's basically the Switzerland of South Central America. Um, but if, if you look at these two countries and you see what they've done with energy production, um, Costa Rica has done an incredible job with fomenting renewables, right? They get most of their energy from renewables and they have a very democratic way of making sure that the energy that is produced by individuals, right? With photovoltaic Mm -hmm. panels that gets paid for and that goes into the grid. They've got a very intelligent grid. Haiti, Haiti has essentially no infrastructure, right? Okay. But people, well, I mean, a lot of that wasn't exactly their fault. Like they've been, right, the, they've been ravaged by natural disasters. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but I mean, let's 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 be serious. Uh, the the, the Duvaliers did not invest in infrastructure for the entire time they were in office. Papa Doc and Baby Doc, okay, didn't build any roads. These right? were the leaders of Haiti. These were the leaders of Haiti from sixty eight to eighty something. Right, okay. I'm getting my numbers wrong. Um, but in Haiti. You go to a market, and what do you see people selling? You see people selling oh, herring. Oh, that was there was there over over Christmas. You see people selling herring, right, okay. and dried goods because there's no refrigeration chain, and you see them selling photovoltaic panels for you to charge your phone. Hmm. Um, and and so they they've made that leap, right, mm-hmm. to the democratic personal 
power generation. Well, where there's a where there's a demand, there will be a supply. Exactly. Uh, as long as somebody doesn't interfere with that with the market, has has the market spoken in the sense that like it's just government aside mm-hmm. or uh, companies aside, whatever, right? If if we were to just choose from scratch, would the majority of people probably want to choose solar? Is that if we're talking only renewable energy, is yeah. that the kind of the way that the demand is going, or is just the one that gets the most publicity in Florida? Um, the I sunshine state. In the sunshine state, if if you're looking at non-nuclear options, right? And there are two schools of thought when when it comes to this. There's there's one school of environmental thought that is like we need every single kind of energy generation, non-fossil fuel energy generation capacity possible, and the other one's like, all right, we need everything but nuclear because nuclear is problematic. Why? Um, well, nuclear is works for France. It works for France, not for Chernobyl. Nuclear is 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 catastrophically dirty when it is catastrophically dirty, like Chernobyl, uh, like Chernobyl, like Fukushima. Um, like almost in Turkey Point, exactly right. And Turkey Point has a very similar design to Fukushima. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in terms of storing the nuclear waste, you kind of need a really like nasty spot to put it in that nobody's going to want for about ten thousand years. Um, well, you know, Yucca Mountain, right? Exactly. I subscribe to the school that says we need to reduce CO two emissions as quickly as possible. Otherwise, the species ain't going to be around for very long. Um, so, well, Elon Musk wants us to colonize Mars. Exactly. So, you know, right. We have that going for that there's, insurance. There's, you know, there's eight other planets in the. Well, sorry, seven. Like <laughs> I grew up with Pluto. Right. Oh, poor Pluto. Which, which still to this day leads to the best pickup line uh, ever uttered on a TV show. It's like, hey, girl, you heard about Pluto? Mm. That's messed up. <laughs> it's from the show Psych. All right. Um, okay, so so you've got these two kinds of energy generation. Yeah. Or you've got these two schools. Um, Florida needs much much more solar and i think if given the choice given the easy financing um and this is what you're probably going to see happen okay mm-hmm. um more and more people will install solar panels in florida and we're going to go from generating you know 200 300 megawatts a year uh to hopefully generating a thousand or two thousand megawatts a year i would love to see that happen but is this a question of if if there isn't the 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 regulatory structure not just the regulatory okay. structure, right? Like, let's leave that aside for a second. If there isn't the financial incentives provided by the state, because right now you have right. a tax rebate at the federal level, right. maybe a state offers something similar mm-hmm. to get the process going. Is this the kind of technology that is, there's demand enough already that people would do it on their own? Or if those subsidies and that investment Quite went away? Possibly. The argument being made um, in a lot of tech blogs and, for instance, uh, Wired has been covering this pretty pretty thoroughly, mm-hmm. is that now solar has gotten to the point where it's fungible even without state help. Like, okay. that this is a genie that has left the bottle, that utilities need to start reading the writing on the wall, and you need to start preparing for a solar-powered democratic generation future. So this is starting to become like a, a car versus train situation. Exactly. Okay. Because the cost per kilowatt hour, if you look at it on the graph, you notice that like what it costs for you to generate a kilowatt hour of power using solar has just like it's it's like it's almost with Moore's law, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's having almost on the six month mark right now. Got it. Um, because of advances in photovoltaic technology. How does uh, I hate to keep bringing him up, but Sorry. how does uh, the those roof shingles that that uh, Tesla is allegedly coming out with? How do those play a role into this? I, I haven't looked at the specifics of those or how much they they can generate. Um, I don't know how much they can generate, but the yeah. uh, allegedly they're supposed to cost less. They're supposed to look like a regular roof, and right. they do. They they yeah. show the shingles, and they're supposed to cost less than putting a regular roof on your house. Right. Uh, um, I mean, it it sounds great. 
right? Yeah, on paper. And sure. and you know, people have been doing this thing where where, for instance, we've got um, the first street installed in France that generates solar power. Yeah, uh, the, it's it's literally like a solar asphalt? power generating asphalt. Okay. Okay. So as we get better, which is at, ironic because asphalt requires fossil fuels to make. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, you know. <laughs> I mean, total carbon package, right? Listen, anything made out of plastic comes with fossil fuels, exactly. so it's part of the, the process. It's in your food delivery now. That's yeah. Um. So, so you know, th- this idea of of generating energy from or, or converting existing surfaces to energy generation is is great. Um. I I really think. From my understanding of the fossil fuel of of the of the solar market, what's going to be really really transformational is the ability to ch- put cheap solar panels on your home, the ability for businesses to put cheap solar panels on their offices, the ability for developers who are building in construction now mm-hmm. to say, okay, we're going to you know make our condo unit, and on top of it, we're going to put I don't know uh, a two hundred kilowatt generation capacity of solar. Okay. You know, and to finance that. Is it only because, you know, you've talked a lot about the ability to sell it back to to the grid. Mm-hmm. Is it only financially viable if within the 20 year mark, if uh, it ha- is sold back to the grid? Because you don't have yeah. a bill, I'm guessing. Like yeah. if you have solar energy, you don't have to pay FPL or whomever a bill. Well, it depends on how much power you're using. But probably and not, I guess yeah. also at yeah. night, you can store it for nighttime. You can't store it for nighttime. And there's no there's no talk of that on a commercial level yet. Of, of I'm not on a consumer level yet. On a no. consumer level of, of like storing consumer storing energy solar energy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that's really sort of the holy grail of battery technology um, that people are looking for at the moment. And it's um, un- as of yet unfound. As of yet unfound, right? The idea behind, and we keep bringing Musk up, but uh, he is you know sort of a, a a touchstone in this whole debate of of producing a cheap enough battery that people can afford in their homes to store the solar energy that they that they carry um i read a paper a while back of a very interesting idea that these german engineers had uh and the germans are very good at this um they they're known for their engineering they certainly are of actually taking a ferro-nickel plant right okay which is um uh, this giant industrial installation that makes you know iron and aluminum and stuff like that and that just has a giant vat of molten metal right and okay. using this giant vat of molten metal as a battery right because you have to keep this thing molten sounds, sounds cool right so during the day they generate all of this electrical power mm-hmm. right and they literally just sink it into this giant vat of of molten metal i mean like think like of the the, the ending fight scene from indiana jones um and then at night they feed that back into the grid Hmm. And I think like it, it's around Dusseldorf that this happens, and then okay. actually they 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 made it so. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, so I... there are, there are efficiencies that if if you're willing to like play enough with mm. your your grid, um, and if you have the the proper regulatory structure, all right. I'm not gonna say that you need like no regulation or you need too much regulation because I I don't know what that so the, looks. That like. jury's still out on that. That jury's still out. I I think if you have a smart regulatory structure that weighs the needs of the consumer the needs of the environment and the needs of of you know the the public utilities to make their investments back in the grid you can make this happen but okay. you know what you don't need is a 12 million dollar astroturf to senate uh, uh constitutional amendment to to knock down the the price per solar that somebody getting it installed on the roof would, would get back well uh 
that I don't think it'll come up again, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> Never All right, so let's 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 finish on on mm-hmm. this last question, right? So let's let imagine a world where there is no kind of like solar energy mm-hmm. in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. What what happens? What what is the the impetus for uh for that change? Like ten years, fifteen years from now, if there's no solar energy in Florida. Okay. What is powering your home like? What is living in Florida like? So. D- that question, first of all, and and you're talking to somebody who has a, a and predicting a, the future is difficult. We know right. That, predicting yeah. the future is different, difficult, but you're talking to somebody who sits there and reads uh, sea level rise predictions daily. Okay, okay. that uh, seems uh, it's pretty depressing stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that regardless of increased uh, solar power generation and regardless uh, or, or whether or not you have it in the state, it may not matter in 15 years because in, at least in Southeast Florida your main problem is going to be sea level rise and stemming the tide and and coming up with engineering solutions to make sure that you can get to work in the morning. Okay. Um, or well, from, I mean, Venice has gondolas. Right, right. Perhaps what we need to do is train a corps of gondoliers in Miami. I mean, hey, job creation. Right. Those striped shirts look very fetching. Yeah, imagine Uber for gondolas. That'd Absolutely. be fantastic. Yeah. Um, work a, it might drive a little slowly, but right. whatever. No, uh, in 15 years, look, we're, we're going to be talking about how how the heck do you get a mortgage down here? Okay. How are you going to be able to... Maybe property will be cheaper. Property will be a lot cheaper. Well, I don't know. That is technically waterfront, so... Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, waterfront property is yeah. more expensive. Not the kind of waterfront you want. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the waterfront 137 times a day, or 137 times a year is the yeah. estimate. So essentially, here's, here's, here's my takeaway. This is a good debate to be having. We need to reduce our CO2 emissions as quickly as possible across the board. More solar is good. More um, solar that pays for itself as quickly as possible is the best. In Florida, we need solar as part of a comprehensive plan to adapt to massive and devastating sea level rise that is going to occur in the next 20, 25 years. It's coming quicker than people think. It's going to affect the city in ways that people haven't really considered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine that a, a, a democratically distributed solar power generation network could only help in our fight against the rising ocean. All right. Well, thank you very much All for right. for the enlightenment on this issue. Uh, for those listening in Coral Gables, remember that your election is coming up in just a few weeks, uh, less than a few now, probably three weeks. Mm-hmm. Vote. Rise. Yes, please vote. And uh, rising sea levels is one of the questions on the survey. Right. So you can find out how your candidates feel about that and 13 other issues. Uh, thank you to Mario. And uh, remember that every Tuesday... Until the end of the legislative session, we will be here talking about different issues facing the state of Florida, and we'll hopefully we'll have a, a, a post-season or a post-session uh, interview series at the end of May or at the end of the session. That's assuming the session finishes on time, which there is no guarantee of because the House and the Senate do not agree on a budget. But that's for another time. All right, so uh, thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next week.